Hello, and welcome to Three Association, a podcast about compassionate, contemplative, evocative supervision for spiritual directors, created by supervisors trained in the Together in the Mystery model. I'm Tara Owens. And I'm Maria Tattoo Bowen. We're glad you're here. Now let's listen in on today's Three Association conversation. So we are so happy to have Vanessa Caruso back with us from season one, where she joined us to talk about a toolkit for spiritual direction and supervision. Vanessa, could you just introduce yourself briefly? Let us know where you're calling us from. Yes, thank you for having me back. It's great to see you both again. My name is Vanessa. I am a spiritual director and supervisor on Vancouver Island in BC. And I went through Fordham's Advanced Certificate in Supervision the second time through. So Tara preceded me and I was <laughs> able to see her project, her capstone project to help inspire my own. So it's been a joy to revisit that for today's conversation. Yeah. Wonderful. And Tara's capstone project was on deconstruction. Our topic for today. And it's fun that we're going to be sharing the host seat with Vanessa and I get to be in the guest seat today. Tara is our guest to talk about deconstruction. So Tara, do you have a free association for us about deconstruction? The thing that comes closest right now, I mean, I'm the one with the silly free associations, right? That's what I do. (laughs) True. Um, but, But my daughter, my young daughter is very into Minecraft right now. And there are a few like silly tricks that you can play on other players where you build something really high and then you take out the bottom of it and it all falls down on top of the other person. And while that is a silly, fun sort of association with deconstruction, I think that is often the experience that people have is that something comes out that feels foundational and everything is falling down. It was just what comes to mind as we're sitting here together today. Mm-hmm. It's a great Tara. image. Yeah, how about you, Vanessa? My first association is the alphabet, like a scrambled alphabet. And I think part of that is because the alphabet song, at least for me as a North American, is, you know, it's probably one of the songs I learned at the youngest age, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, O, P. It has a melody. And so deconstruction kind of the image I have is like a scrambled eerie version of that song that's unrecognizable and then not knowing what to do if all the letters are out of order. Yeah, thanks, Vanessa. Mine is really around the kind of deconstruction that's happening more recently in light of climate change with old homes where people Mm. will really take things apart and carefully preserve those things that are usable and valuable, even as they bring the rest to the dump, but to really just keep what's important um, in a kind of ethically sound way. I love that we had three very different images. Yeah. 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 Tara, you're our guest. You're talking about deconstruction. Maybe to start by telling us what is deconstruction and why is it important to spiritual directors? Oh, 
such mm. good big questions. <laughs> and I think the language of deconstruction in the spiritual life has come to mean many things recently. And there's this space where depending on the context, you'll hear a lot of either positive or negative about it. There's a lot of inflection around it. Um, but deconstruction is the process of, I think, in its most positive light, what you talked about, Maria, the taking apart of what is no longer holding or even what might be toxic and preserving those things that are foundational, are valuable, are things to be taken forward in the spiritual journey and discarding those things that are not to be taken forward or have been harmful or toxic. Mm. I think the way deconstruction gets talked about, there's this sort of heavily moral overtone of it being very positive or negative, a right or a wrong thing. When in fact, deconstruction is not necessarily a stage of spiritual growth, but can be involved in spiritual growth in our journey moving forward. Um, I think it's really important <laughs> personally, for spiritual directors to be aware of the various issues around deconstruction, but also to be doing, as always, our own work around the things that might cause us to not be able to listen as well or to be overwhelmed in a session and to be aware, as, as aware as we can be, which is a journey that we're hopefully all progressing on, of the things that that might make us less free to attend to the holy journey of our directees or our supervisees. Tara, I so appreciated your shorter paper. You have a longer <laughs> project and you have this paper that's like a quick guide for directors or supervisors. So when you just mentioned how important you think it is for directors and supervisors to be aware of how free or unfree we are when accompanying someone going through deconstruction. I remembered that quick guide, which just has so many helpful questions. And one that's coming to mind now is something like, do you ever notice yourself saying yes, but while mm -hmm. listening to a directee, I was like, wow, what a good question. That would be a great self-supervision prompt after a direction session to just wonder, did I have a yes, but anywhere? And by that, I'm like, I'm following, I'm following, but what about this great thing? Or what about this? So do you have any responses to that particular, that particular instinct you identified that might come up in us and impede our freedom accompanying someone in deconstruction? Yeah, I love that as a simple tool to notice our own resistances and it and that space where we may have cherished practice or a cherished belief that as a, a directee or supervisee is beginning to to ask questions or in the middle of asking questions or turning things over in a different way we find ourselves sometimes self-protective oh but don't go there <laughs> or but that's mine don't touch that yeah. or but have you thought of is the one that i think we Mm -hmm. tend to do the most is the, oh, but Lexio Divina. I know you don't like the Bible, but yeah, 
But yes, but there's an interior sort of slide into what are our own cherished practices or our own ways of shoring up something that feels like it might be sliding into the sea for a directee or supervisee instead of watching watching the waves take and offer what they will in both sort of explicit and implicit ways mm. of knowing God for the directee or supervisee. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm so struck, Tara, by what a disorienting process it can be to be in deconstruction, like all of these cherished things we've held no longer seem to hold. And I guess I'm wondering whether or how you might distinguish what you're talking about as deconstruction from what I encounter a lot in spiritual direction, which is somebody sort of having an image of God that no longer holds and they think God is absent or God's gone away, but it's really not that. It's really that some new bigger sense of God is emerging. Yeah. I think that there is a, not always, but often the experience of deconstruction comes through what I would name as a disillusionment that has communal elements to it. That may not be that the community of faith that that a directee is part of no longer fits, but it actually may be that the community of faith is prompting questions by the behavior of that community around something that has become important to the directee or the experience of betrayal that certain people feel around large movements that are happening and the way their community of faith responds or does not respond to those larger movements. Um, There is often a sense that as opposed to shifting image of God, deconstruction often, but not always, is prompted by these structural, systematic, the sort of one of, in the experience circle, the systems and structures that, in which God is moving, but that seem to be inviting or forcing. There's a lot of a sense of a loss of the old ways of knowing that were external. And it's why it's so important I think for directors and supervisors to be able to sit and and lament with someone to allow the grief of that loss to be there before we're not fixing anyways, but when someone is grieving, especially like the deep level of faith, the way they orient themselves to the world, it is, as you said, so disorienting Mm. to be able to sit and truly weep with those who weep and to resist the yes, but because it takes away from their own inner authority. And the thing that has betrayed them usually is exterior systems of authority. And the process of deconstruction often has that movement into who do I trust now? Who do I believe and to whom do I belong? Those are fundamental human questions, but they are brought on most often by hurt and betrayal. Whereas an image of God, that may be a sort of an exultant experience is often disorienting, but there's a shift or a, a new awareness. And it can also come with deconstruction as well, but usually that systems and structures arena is the one that is prompting the experience for people. Tara, have you sat with directees or supervisees who are in 
somewhat acute deconstruction Mm. and what's that been like for you that might be too big of a question i think it has been different for me in different seasons i think particularly with my own movements of faith and this is true of any topic when it comes to the spiritual life like those places that are more tender for me have been more tender places when I'm sitting with someone. But I also I think the thing that I find myself most often sitting with after a session that is holding on to me or I am holding on to that I then take to supervision are what I would call the questions of justice and love that because it's usually a system or a structure that has hurt or acted unjustly and the directee that I'm sitting with is experiencing hurt because of that. As a compassionate listener, um, I carry that. I feel it. And my mama bear uh, wants to come out. Sure. And, and there's all sorts of temptation around that, that really can truncate the directee's spiritual journey. Um, so supervision? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, just checking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think there's also just the awareness that, that the grief, the systemic grief that our directees and supervisees are sitting with are, is often systems that we ourselves are participating in some way or another. And so there's the question of complicity. There's the question of our own hearing someone be betrayed by a denomination that you yourself are a part of and what that can affect in you and witnessing that and your own then questions about those systems and structures, it can become a really thorny place. It really sounds that way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also just struck by this sense of you talk about with, um, just coming out of a sense maybe that a, a particular system has betrayed your the, the director or supervisee in deconstruction. And I'm wondering, I really get that happens often. I've certainly experienced it myself. I'm also wondering in the pandemic, it feels like a lot of people advised their relationship with church mm-hmm. and maybe they were taught if you don't go to church on Sunday, the whole world's going to fall apart. But then again, they haven't shown up in church for a while and they're mm-hmm. sort of, so it's not so much an injury, but nevertheless something. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm wondering it, what's your sense of that and its contribution to this deconstruction? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, because I have a Franciscan bent in my spirituality, I'm going to relate this to, to two animal companions that I have had in my life. And they were both dogs, but wise spiritual beings, I would say, that brought a lot of life. And one of them came to our home having experienced abuse. And the other one came to our home having experienced neglect. And what I hear you talking about, Maria, is actually sort of neglect, that sense of a system not caring specifically for a person or a realization that oh, the set of systems that were passively there don't actually function. And that sort of sense of the passive posture that our beliefs play um, 
And when they become, it's really implicit, our implicit knowing becomes explicit. So implicitly, we may have gone to church on Sunday and just felt something we do and it's not very satisfying, but we do it. And then the pandemic hit and we couldn't be in church and the implicit becomes explicit. And we begin to wrestle with where are places of satisfaction or dissatisfaction in the spiritual journey? Where are the places where the communities that I've been part of, I'm neglectful, I'm, or I'm versus the sense of abuse that happens or the lack of justice or the, there, and there is, and we've seen sexual abuse scandals in various communities of faith and like the actual effect of, or the abuse that is being perpetrated in a variety of ways. And my two guides, my two companions, one really had to be given space to heal in his own inner knowing, to trust himself again and to trust the world. And the other actually had to be empowered in knowing that action is possible, change is possible. So it was almost an exterior trust and an interior trust that there were two different things that were happening for both of those companions of mine. And they were just different ways of engaging, but I, I find that's very true for people who are deconstructing because of this reality that we could now question because we because of the pandemic, we've been able to question a lot of things. How do we then work and what is work? What is our, the place of work in our lives and um, how do our communities come together or not? And how do our, what about schooling and accessibility and got a lot of questions that are now um, on the table or have been on the table that are very fruitful questions, but it also is a lot of work. Yes. And may I share an example of a yes, but that just came mm -hmm. up in me mm -hmm. as you were talking, Tara? So when you were talking about neglect and the system's not neglecting people, I was thinking about all the pastors I sit with who've been like chewed up and spit out by oh. the pandemic, mm -hmm. how hard they've been trying to connect with people mm -hmm. even over distance. So if you had been somebody deconstructing, I would have needed to hold that and not mm -hmm. say it because mm -hmm. I am not in the pastor defending business. I'm in the listening to you <laughs> business. Or right. I know what you mean. Yeah. What a good that, example. Yeah. And that, that like the, those we love, we desire to defend. And that may be our cherished beliefs. It may be our cherished practices. It may be those in our communities that we love. And that is not a wrong impulse but that's not what we're doing in spiritual direction. It is not what we're doing in supervision. And what does it mean to hold the space, to, to be broad enough to hold the space? Because that yes, but comes up a lot for us. That was such a good example. And you're sharing about your feline, feline? With his dog? Canine. canine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> your canine companions just reminded me how differently we deconstruct mm -hmm. and our, how different our experiences in church. A friend of mine, we were part of the same church and the impact of the church on us was just so different. And I remember us talking about it once and we imagined it's like going on a roller coaster. We all go on the same roller coaster. For one person, it's thrilling. 
one person's boring, one person's terrifying. And you're talking to you is reminding me that sometimes I can hear a director or supervisee discerning whether to leave their church. And I can identify too quickly with, oh, I've done that. I know what that's like. I know the texture of this while forgetting how different their experience might be and staying curious. So that's something I'm taking away is that tendency in me because I've gone through something adjacent to this to identify too quickly with it rather than tell me more. What is it like for you? And I think that because we are in this ministry, we are, this is the ground that we walk as companions with people that it, these experiencers are very close. It's not, I have, I have a lot of capacity to be curious about someone's experience with woodworking because I don't do it. I have no frames of reference, but the way that we fill in pictures or even fill in words for people when it may not be their language, I think it's why the contemplative stance matters so much. Mm -hmm. The ability to be a reflective listening presence and to be aware of the ways that we want to wade into the water instead of letting it still and reflect for our directees and supervisees what is actually going on in their soul and how they are being formed by God. Yeah. Hmm. It strikes me, Tara, that there's quite a bit of trust that's required, isn't there, of the listener in these situations, because when somebody's spiritual life is flowing right along and they're actively involved in their spiritual community, there's a certain kind of listening experience that we have of that. But when suddenly they're without a sense of foundational community and they even feel maybe betrayed by that community for various reasons, oof. Yeah, yeah. And it is such an honor when a directee comes and opens up that place because those authorities have been hurtful to sit in a place. And we all know that we are not as directors or supervisors, we're not meditating and three feet off the ground on the top of a mountain somewhere. We too have had our journeys, but there is this sense that there is a little bit of a space of authority and power that we hold. And for someone to, to have been hurt by spiritual authority, to then come to someone and invite them to listen with some form of giving them some form of authority to hold that space, that is sacred ground. It is sacred ground and why it is so important to be asking those questions of ourselves so that we might honor the journey in front of us in a way that doesn't compound the trauma. And you're highlighting how important it is to not have multiple relationships or dual relationships with our direct because what if we were part of the same community or something like that and the minecraft block started to fall and shift Mm -hmm. much would that affect their freedom to share and what a safe place to be able to share that kind of disorientation outside of the walls of that community or that church how important yeah to have that safe space where they are given back the authority 
Uh, that they are handed it back and affirmed in their relationship with God and that their questions and their emotions and their anger even, or what might look to us as directors or supervisors as outright rebellion in a certain way, that there are ways that, that people who are going through deconstruction really need to enact their anger that may feel like almost blasphemous to us in certain situations and or that it may be it maybe we might think of it as taking it too far but to understand that there are places where really engaging and taking back that power looks to the system like rebellion but is in fact stepping into some inner authority yeah yeah yeah, it sounds yes, I really hear how there's a sort of a, a kind of listening somebody into their inner authority. Mm-hmm. Also, it sounds like there's a strand of kind of he- really healing from trauma or spiritual abuse or those kinds of mm-hmm. things too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so important. I guess given the tenderness of that Tara, I wonder about it strikes me it's important maybe to encourage directors who are shaky when they hear people questioning the authority of the church, maybe to refer because it, yeah. it's a, it's a really delicate balance, isn't it? It's a very delicate balance. And I think that being willing to own our own spaces and places and to be able to say to our directees, the journey you're on is so important and you deserve someone who can hold you well in this is not a deficiency on behalf of the director, but rather a caring for the directee of recognizing, oh, I am consistently feeling shaky, getting triggered or hooked by the way that a directee is pushing back or offering themselves and their own deep hungers and angers and longing in a way that is just roiling the director interiorly and so that there's oceanic things going on and there's no space for the directee in that and to recognize that when you're when it the waves are going within you you're not providing that space for reflection that still water within us that allows for the directee to find their own path and that isn't the fault of the sea uh-huh. No, but it is a time to say the sea is rough within me. And for this to steward you in this practice from the tradition, I'm going to refer you. Here's some people who I know who have walked well or walk well in this space with mm-hmm. people. And Tara, have you also referred anyone to more religious trauma therapy? Mm-hmm. Do you have yeah. that kind of as part of your resource list? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have yeah. a number of trauma therapists who work in those spaces, particularly with spiritual trauma, spiritual abuse, and understanding what that looks like from a therapeutic standpoint. And that is when I hear a directee coming back over and over again to the same thing. Yeah, to the same story that there isn't movement. And I hear that 
oh, they need some additional assistance. They need some therapeutic help and healing that is not the realm of spiritual direction. And to be able to offer them that so that they can walk into some healing and find their own language again for what has happened to them. And I think I've said it in another episode, but I find I have a limit to personally, I have a limit to the number of directees I can hold who have experienced um, trauma or spiritual abuse at any given time, because those stories are hard. They're yes. hard and they're often a really long journey of hard mm-hmm. and what it means to be able to attend my own soul that has my own spiritual journey to know that I role isn't therapeutic. It is to attend and to really listen and to know that my capacity uh, is one, maybe two people in my practice who have experienced real spiritual abuse. And that's my limit and my capacity. And for each director to be in supervision in a way that can name capacities as they expand and contract around particularly fraught topics like this. Yeah, that's really important. And it really speaks to the importance of initial conversations with people that elicit that kind mm-hmm. of detail so that we can yeah. do that discernment about capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where that we are coming toward the end of our conversation today. So Tara, I wonder whether you might share with us a transformative experience you've had as a supervisee. Yeah. And I could talk about this topic probably for hours, um, <laughs> both, both supervision as we do all the time on the three association podcast and the topic of deconstruction because it matters so much. It does. And I hope you'll do, and maybe you have some workshops <laughs> on that because yes. I think it mm-hmm. really is so important for directors to be mm-hmm. knowledgeable and you've done such amazing work on mm-hmm. and eliciting your own experience on it. Yeah. Thank you. The experience of supervision that comes to mind is one where I was discerning capacity, actually. I was in a season of change and looking at how many directees I had the capacity to journey with at a particular time. And I brought that to supervision of a sense of, I have a contracting capacity. How how do I hold this? What does that look like? And what was really transformative for me was contemplative space that my supervisor held for me to really attend to the work of the spirit and to where the life was for me, not just in terms of discerning, does this relationship have lots of positive energy for me or does it have negative energy for me, but instead holding and reflecting on what is the invitation for me with each person with that, that I'm journeying with. And because the spirit was inviting me to bring down my practice into a smaller to, to less directees, there was a lot roiling in me around like people I love and, and this sense of guilt and being able to just navigate and come back to that centered place of what is the spirit doing? What is the invitation listening, being really contemplative with it. And I remember directee after directee at that point, who I then had conversations with, said, oh, I had already, that had nudging had already been in me for each person, but it was being able to settle with my supervisor 
and be reminded to attend to what parts of me are feeling guilty and why and what is, what performance is that coming out of, but also that the spirit is working already um, mm. and this coming alongside. And it was just deeper interior freedom that I needed at that particular season of my practice. And I will always remember it. Wow. Wow. What a great example. Yes. And what a great joy to see that the spirit was working in your directees already in the same mm-hmm. direction. Woo. Thank you both mm-hmm. so much for yes. this conversation Thank you. today. Yes. Thank you, Tara, Thanks for your for work. Being... Oh, um, thank you. And thank you, Vanessa, for being around here and yeah, joining the conversation again. Thanks for joining us for today's Three Association Conversation. This and every Three Association episode can be found at threeassociation.com, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast feed. We appreciate you being with us. Please feel free to forward this or any Three Association conversation to those who might benefit. Blessings on your life and ministry.